0: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Murano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Murano.
1: This is the other side of midnight. I'm superstar Frank Marino. A uh, lot of people eager to weigh in on the debate that we just uh, that we just heard. And uh, you know, I had something else that I was going to talk about here, but because we didn't have much time for phone calls last hour, I'm going to give you an opportunity to weigh in. It is the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. After today, maybe we'll give it a rest for a little while. And uh, but for. For now, let's leave, give everybody an opportunity to get whatever they want to say out of their system or react to the hour that uh, that we we just experienced. All right, 800-848-9222. Hey, Matt Blaze, did you have a, a view after, first of all, I don't know your view on the assassination to begin with, but did you have a view after listening to that hour at all? Did either of those guys uh, convince you one way or another? I, I think it
2: it was a mob hit. I think... Uh, I believe when he said that um, that who was it that Ford they they doctored the autopsy. If you just look at the film as much as we can, and I'm sure in the coming years, as people have said already, like who cares what happened 60 years ago? In the
1: coming years, maybe 20 or 30 years from now, it'll all come out eventually. What really happened? So you think w- the more time passes, the greater likelihood of the truth coming out? No, oh, yeah, 100%. interesting because a lot of people think. Just the opposite, that if we haven't figured it out by now, then we're never going to know. So no, that's I,
2: interesting. I think that because they're going to go, well, who cares what happened 80 years ago now? You know what I mean? Like, right. Eventually, right, right. we're going to have the technology, and it's like, I think it's there, and I think there are people that know, and there's probably documents somewhere buried that know that have the truth, and I think that will come out.
1: Well, all right, 22 Jimbo is in Rockland. What's on your mind, Jimbo? Well,
3: good morning, Frank. I mean, if you want to take a break... From the FBI and Kennedy, we will just take one little statement. It will almost be a public service announcement. Um, when Biden states, our biggest threats are white supremacy and, you know, climate change and all. I would just say the biggest threat to democracy is his. Um,
1: is, is what,
3: Jimbo? His proof. Oh, I'm sorry. Like It's, it's the Senate. The Congress and his administration. So
1: again, it's another one of these horrible phone lines. And, and Christian, please just make sure everybody's on a, a good phone line. I, I, I really I don't want to put in the effort to try and figure out what he's saying. I, I mean, and again, I don't want to bias whatever point he was making because I can't understand with him. I understand him, so I don't want to hold that against him. But I, I I'm not even going to try to decipher what he was saying because he was a little all over the place. I, I don't I don't get it. 800 848 Clark is in Baltimore. Hello, Clark.
2: Yeah, hey, Frank. I'm calling uh, from the WCBM listening area. Uh, love it. We love our Baltimore. friends
1: out there. Thank you.
2: Hey, enjoy listening to your show when I can. Of course, it's hard, uh, you know, since it's always late at night. But uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to hear your program from the beginning, I'm going to have to try to go to the archive.
1: Yeah, no, you got to check out the way. podcast when you can. You should, you should Absolutely. do that anyway when you can't listen, though.
2: I I, I sure will. I, I will I will try to uh, try to do be able to figure out how to do that. And uh, but the reason I was calling is I I, I understand all the different uh, you know theories that are out there about the conspiracy and all that. And um, what I was about to bring up, I I didn't hear it mentioned, although I did miss part of the program, um, what I was going to mention that doesn't change any of what you spoke about is there was a documentary that was made by a a gentleman uh, and a team of people. uh, It was about 10 years ago, and it was called The Smoking Gun, and it actually uh, was very credible. And and it showed how uh, there was actually during the incident of the assassination attempt on Kennedy, uh, there was some friendly fire that was exchanged by the Secret mm-hmm. Service, mm-hmm. and one of the, one, the the rifle accidentally went off when the car lunged forward, and that was the fatal shot. That blew Kennedy's head off.
1: Yeah, I, I've heard uh, that. I have not seen that documentary, but I'm familiar with that theory. Did you find that convincing?
2: I found it very convincing because it actually explained all the reasons why it appeared like the government, which in this case was the Secret Service, was trying to mm-hmm. cover things up. Because they were. it wasn't that they were trying to cover up a conspiracy. They were trying to cover up a, a, a fatal mistake that they made, and and uh, there was no reason to expose their fatal mistake because it was really the fault of everything everybody talked about tonight. Whatever whatever was put in motion to try to kill uh, President Kennedy in the first place, where where they may not have been successful, because of what they put in the motion. Gotcha. Uh, The friendly fire, actually, is what what wound up. Interesting.
1: Well, you know, um, I'll invite uh, Connor McLaren, who's the detective that uh, popularized that theory on this program, see if he wants to add anything to it. Thank you, Clark, and thanks for listening. And uh, if people are in Clark's position where they just stumbled upon our program, didn't hear the whole thing, or are not usually up at this time, the best thing you can do is go to iTunes, go to Spotify, go to any podcast app, and just search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, and hit the subscribe button, and it'll automatically get sent to your phone every day. That's it. That's it. Simple as that. Just search The Other Side of Midnight on any podcast app. If you just want to listen from the computer, whenever you want to listen to if you don't have a mobile phone, just go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com and search The Other Side of Midnight. All right. Uh, Robert is in Pearl River. Hi, Robert.
0: Hi, Frankie. I came in late also, but I, I have extensive knowledge of <laughs> We talked about this before. I don't know where that guy is getting that evidence from. I've which it, which, from which guy?
1: Which guy? Which guy?
0: The, the guy that uh, was talking about the friendly fire. I've seen uh, videos of that where, I mean, it's, it's preposterous. I mean, it's, I just don't believe it at all. He you I know, have to say, I believe that Oswald, the act acted alone, he was he Kennedy was hit, and Connolly was hit simultaneously. The when they're moving, okay. The thing about Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby was a gangster wannabe. You know, low level whatever. He was also a cabaret owner, but he loved the president. He really did love the president. He had news clippings all over his house, his room. He had scrapbook. The people who make the books about Kennedy, now the anniversary, they're making a lot of money. They're going to tell you about those things. (laughs) So, I mean, but Oswald was like Timothy McVeigh. McVeigh, he was very angry. And his own brother said it, that he was a marksman, and he killed him. He killed the president. That's his own brother. And, uh, I mean, you you could go on for years with this, you know, making up all these stories, the umbrella man, the babushka lady, the three hobos. The three hobos—that's what they were. Three hobos mm-hmm. on the train. did not any conspiracy. So, I mean, it's it's remarkable. The other thing is, I had a question. I love that you do these. Would you do the, do one with the Superman of the uh, uh, George the, Reeves? Interesting- yeah, I've yeah. been studying that, and yeah. I have a I have a theory about it. But I'm know, not going to talk about it now. I want you to start. That's
1: a, I'd like to actually. I've been trying to get uh, a few folks that have been uh, that have been uh, active in, in that, uh, including the director of the film that they made about him, who doesn't believe that there was uh, foul play. But uh, thank you for the <laughs> suggestion. I will do that actually because we're we're overdue. I love Superman, and yesterday we were just talking about the adventures of. Seinfeld and Superman, but we'll do that. You know, in January it is uh, it's George Reeves' birthday, so maybe we'll do something right around his birthday, if not sooner, uh, because I think that is a pretty interesting, interesting mystery in history. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Al is here in New York City. Hello, Al. Hey Frank, great great interviews with those guys Thank and you. great debate. Thanks a lot. Listen,
4: Appreciate I that. You're welcome. It's top caliber. I, across the whole country you know, I used to listen to on the station, two truckers talking about the weather in Iowa. Bawling, <laughs> boring. boring. You've got Thank something you. going. Even if I don't agree with, with something, it's always entertaining, and you've got top-notch expert people. Listen, I'd just like to speak about the emotional state of these guys. Just a real quick thing. Jack Ruby had lung cancer coming, and he knew that he was going to hang around. Uh, Oswald was living in a rooming house, completely broke, and he had tried to get back together with his wife, Marina, and child, and the grandmother, okay? And they said, "Well, no, that's it, you're a loser, blah, blah, blah. And I hear the facts. He was an expert shooter, okay? They found three shells. They saw him come in the morning with a long box that he says were curtain rods. He had a scope on that rifle, four-power scope, okay? He leaned it against a sill. When that car, motorcade, was heading down Dealey Plaza, which is a little triangle, it's kind of like Rockefeller of Center. Everything that's echo, if you're in that motorcade, you hear a shot, you think it's coming from the front because you hear things before you see them. Everybody across the building saw Oswald in the window. Guess what? He bought that rifle, cash out delivery from Chicago, had to pay for it. He used that rifle six months earlier on April 10th. Check this out, General Edwin Walker lived in Dallas. Just Google that, Walker. And he agreed that he, everybody knows. They found his palm print on it. They did a uh, gunpowder paraffin test on him, okay? So what his, what's his reaction afterwards? He goes running, hiding, okay? Mm-hmm. He shoots baby Tippett, correct? Right. Now, remember, nobody ever explains this about the, the, the board that uh, the liberal was in. The jump seat to, to have Governor Conley and his wife, Nellie, in front, okay? And the Clint Hill, the driver, was in the front. Guess what? It's canted to the side and lower, and you can actually see on frame 224 of the film, the lapel of Connolly moves forward from the bullet moving up, okay? Soft tissue where the neck is, when you get shot in the neck like that, your arms automatically go up. But here's the problem. He was in a corset because he had Addison's disease. So he was basically a cripple. He had mm-hmm. to strap in like an NFL player to get for the game. He couldn't go back down. So now check this out. If you had uh, Matt Blaze at County, one one thousand two two one thousand. go up to 11 seconds first shot missed he's on that bill he's got a, a military italian rifle a carcano with a four speed uh what do you call uh, scope on it he's a marines don't have lousy shooters let me tell you you can be in the air force and other things they take pride he had expert marksman um things okay 11 seconds when that first shot occurred, you know what that Lincoln did. The driver, he stopped basically. It was going five miles an hour, and Kennedy, because he was trying to get Johnson's uh, his running mate support with the crowd in Texas, because they didn't really like him. Mm-hmm. He said, "Listen, no bubble cop. I want to get as close, and his right. clothes. Right. I want to eat you out." Yeah. Listen, I'm gonna let you go there, but I want to let you know. Uh, keep 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 going with these top notch caliber shows. Because it's a lot better than the truckers, and you're going to be nationwide everywhere, all the well, time. you're
1: very kind, Al. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving if I don't talk to you tomorrow. Appreciate that. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Uh, Christopher is in the Queens. Hello, Christopher.
0: Frank, what does ballistics say?
1: Well, I mean, they had differing conclusions about what the ballistics says. You know, um, Lamar Waldron pointed to some evidence that suggested there were more than three shots. And uh, you heard from uh, Fred Litwin that uh, believes the ballistics support his conclusion that there were only three shots.
0: Did the fragments found in the car mash up with the bullets shot from the rifle?
1: Uh, my understanding is, yes,
5: they did. Then what does that tell you?
1: Oh, it tells me that the bullets on the rifle were the bullets in the car.
5: Well, what does that tell you?
1: I, I give up, Christopher. Just just tell us, okay? It I, tells I, you that it tells you that he was the only gunman. All right, all right. Well, then I don't know what we wasted an hour for. I just could have just uh, I just could have had you straighten us out early on. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. I mean, again, I, I'm not going to indulge. Uh, Chris, because he seems like just he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and a little bit of an attitude, but um, I don't know why that would preclude two shooters using two different rifles. I mean, excuse me, two shooters using the same rifle and the same ammunition. Uh, I don't know what that proves about anything. What does that tell you? Uh, Yeah, I give up. (laughs) Tells me I might need a new profession. Exactly. 800-848-9222. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Robert is in Suffolk. Hello, Robert.
6: Hi, Frank. Uh, the first caller, he was saying that, unlike what Biden claims, the biggest threat to the U.S. is the communists in the administration. Okay, my theory on JFK assassination. Ever since the Cuban Missile Crisis, the CIA was after... Um, Castro and was trying to kill him. They came up with this Bay of Pigs operation. JFK refused to order air support for that operation, which resulted in its failure and the uh, resulting non-overthrow of Castro and Cuba. The assassination was payback for that.
1: But on the part of the CIA, so you think the CIA was responsible?
6: Yeah, and that's yeah. why there's such resistance to documents being released.
1: Well, I, you know, and I'm sorry we didn't get to spend more time. And thanks, Robert. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't get to spend more time on the documents issue. I did ask Fred about that the last time he was on the program, and I asked Lamar about that as well. But to me, I, I do find that very suspicious, the fact that, I mean, if I were uh, the president, uh, both Biden or, and Trump, and certainly, you know, uh, going back to Obama, uh, my view was let's let everything out. I mean, that's what the whole point of that uh, legislation that was passed in the early 90s after the Oliver Stone movie revitalized interest in this was all about. It was to, the, to get a full accounting of all the documents. Let everything out. I don't believe they are letting everything out there, and I think that's a shame. 800 9222 Pamela is in New Jersey. Hi, Pamela.
7: Hi. Um, I believe that uh, Oswald was a useful idiot, expendable lower employee of the CIA and the it's a conspiratorial as far as they employed mobsters and CIA and Cuba might've been thrown in there. Uh, you know, it's a potpourri of different uh, reasons why. And for us to study the bullets and the uh, limousine, those things were so mishandled right? and are so, like, it, it, it's not even possible to study that anymore because it's ridiculous. You see them cleaning out the car outside the hospital. So I, I just, as far as Oswald, I believe he was just an expendable lower employee, a double agent. He was not totally... Um, ignorant. He knew Russian. He traveled back and forth to Russia. There was something there. And uh, but definitely conspiratorial. And I had I had a hard time listening to Fred because I found him rather arrogant. Um, so I you know, if you want to get your point across, you know, don't act like you're all. Over everybody else. Well, you know, and um,
1: that's, you know, again, I, I appreciate anybody that's willing to uh, come on the program uh, and be awake at, at this late hour. But um, what you just said, I think, is good advice for everybody having conversations with folks that they disagree with Thursday at Thanksgiving. Because I think the way that you do carry yourself, it does have uh, some effect on how people receive your Your arguments. And um, again, it doesn't mean he's he's uh, right or wrong, but I see what you mean. I see what you mean by that. And uh, I, um, you know, look, I guess sometimes people have uh, very little patience for folks that they feel are uh, being disingenuous. And it sounds like he felt that way about uh, about Lamar Waldron. Uh, Pamela, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. I, and the other thing, and this is my bias as someone that has to suffer through people with poor phone connections, I love that Lamar Waldron phone connection. I mean, what a crisp, clear phone connection. I, I really got something out of that. 800 848 Larry is in brooklyn Hello, Larry. <clears throat>
8: Hi,
9: Frank. You know, I'm, I'm pretty new to this thing, but I listen to both guys and both guys I analyzed Now both guys had ulterior motives okay I couldn't believe it the 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 first the guy that said that Oswald did it by himself because he watches TV I never heard of anything so ludicrous in my life because he's lonely you know what's even lonelier than sitting and watching a TV prison that's even lonelier so obviously that that doesn't make sense now he gave the argument he made a good argument against what the other guy said because he said the mafia wouldn't do it because they don't like getting caught Mm -hmm. but the other guy the other Guy said the other guy gave a good reason that the mafia did it, but then he said more than one guy did it. If you don't want to get caught, you don't have more than one guy do it. So it's actually a compromise between the two. The two actually, the mafia did it, and it was Oswald. A- end of story.
1: What that's what you honestly believe, or that's your takeaway listening to the two of them?
9: No, that's that's what I first of all. So I, I I thought about it before I even heard them, and I said to myself, this is ridiculously simple. I, I had the same theory that that. It couldn't be the CIA, even though it makes sense. Do you know why? Because somebody had to pay Oswald. Nobody's going to take the chance of the money going from his hands, and he's the one that's going to get executed. You see, but the mafia—this is their business, the business of crime. So it had to be some. First of all, it had to be them. It had to be somebody who's in the business of 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 that kind of thing that to take such a chance. And it had to be ridiculously simple, which means hire one man who's a little bit of a halfwit. Okay, but an excellent shot. One person, only.
1: You know, thank you, Larry. I I don't know what to believe, honestly. And um, I listened with an open mind to both gentlemen. I still don't know where I am. You know, when I spoke with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. about this, and again, you know, I find all these people, they sound uh, very credible. And I when I spoke with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. about this, I thought he made a very compelling case that um, the CIA had a history of working with the mob. Now, that's true. We know that that's the case. Is it so crazy to think that they wouldn't um, work together to deal with a common enemy? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Uh, So I don't know what to believe. You know, I've noticed that um, it seems like people who are uh, progressive tend to think that it was the, um, the the deep state the uh, security state the CIA people who are conservative they tend to think that it was the mob but um, and then you have some people like RFK who essentially think that it was that it was both 808489222 I don't know what to believe but uh, I thought it was an interesting discussion they both raised points that I thought were valid 808489222 Russell is in North Carolina hello Russell
5: Hey, Frank, hey, I think uh, a lot of people get too caught up on the who sh- who shot him rather than the why. And uh, a couple of things people never really touch on is um, uh, JFK actually talked to, um, not Lindsey Graham, uh, Billy Graham, Billy Graham. And he said, you know, I've, I've, I've got a lot of questions about the Catholic Church. And I mean, hey, you know, you can't have the first first catholic president stray from the church so maybe i mean there's that theory that the catholic church had him whacked i don't
8: believe that but
5: but the other thing is is he said we need to audit the federal reserve now that's a road to go down and to look deep into well is there you,
1: but is the there any
5: banks
1: right oh. is there any evidence of that well, that they I mean, were responsible for his killing
5: well, I mean, is there any evidence that that Cuba did it? Is there any evidence that? Well, I mean, so, knows?
1: I mean, I don't think there is. No, Um that's why, no, you know, when exactly. I asked about, and again, I mean, anybody can just make up something that they think happened. Um, You know, in the case of the mob, Lamar Waldron pointed to very specific elements of, uh you know, the mafia conspiracy that have admitted to this. So that's evidence. As far as I know, there's no banker within the Federal Reserve that said, yeah, we killed Kennedy. And, uh, you know, here's a little bit of me. Talking with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. about this, I asked him about the assassination of both his uncle, uh, John F. Kennedy and his father, which a lot of people believe that the two assassinations were, were linked. Who do you believe is most likely responsible for your father's assassination and your uncle's?
8: Well, let's take one at a time. My uncle's assassination. First of all, at that time, there was really no daylight between the mafia and the CIA. The CIA had recruited Sam Giancana, uh, Santos Traficante, and Carlos Marcello, who were the three big bosses of Chicago, uh, North Florida. And uh, in Tampa and uh, and New Orleans, Dallas, those were the mobsters who owned casinos in Havana and the CIA had had brought them in to use their assassinations, assassins to kill Castro and uh, And was training them, they were training Cubans along, sharpshooters along with them. And there is so much evidence now, including multiple confessions from the people who were involved in my uncle's assassination, people like David Attlee Phillips, who was the director of propaganda, um, uh, David Morales, who was uh, you know the probably the most uh, accomplished hitman in in, uh, in the CIA's history, E. Howard Hunt who also made a deathbed, uh, a confession of many, 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 many others, and thousands of documents that, that form a bulwark that of beyond a reasonable doubt the CIA was involved, not only in the murder, but in the... Um, in the 60-year cover-up. And when the, House, when the House assassination and the Senate assassination committees investigated, reinvestigated the crime with many, many more documents than the Warren Commission had access to and testimony the Warren Commission never saw, they found in 1975, they found that there was a conspiracy and almost virtually everybody on the committee believes that the CIA was involved Uh, So that's Robert
1: F. Kennedy Jr. Someone just sent me an SMS text message that it's obvious some kind of conspiracy is going on. Otherwise, they wouldn't be hiding and classifying documents instead of releasing them. I do think that there's some merit to that. I really do. What the nature of the conspiracy theory is or the conspiracy is, I don't know. 800-848-9222. I don't want to spend necessarily the whole show on this because there is a lot of stuff that I want to get to. But people are are into it and uh, we'll try and get to as many calls as we can here. Tim in New Jersey, what do you think?
0: Oh, good evening. Isn't it kinda obvious looking at that Zebruda film that the man was shot in the front of the head? I mean, that doesn't the fatal head shot isn't it kinda obvious that is coming from the direction of that grassy knoll well, after it, that there's, shot happened? No, no one second, one second. All right, well you after asked a question,
1: shot, but go ahead.
0: I I I appreciate that. But after after that shot happened, I doubt you have that he does running it. toward that grassy knoll. Uh, what's the? I mean, it, it seems to me pretty obvious. See, a head wound like that's not going to not not going to envelop like envelop like that unless unless the man's shot in the front.
1: Well, uh, I um, look. If you, my viewing of the Zabruder film, it looks exactly like that. The uh, people like uh, like Fred and others, and uh, you know, uh, people that are much more experienced at analyzing this sort of thing than I am, they say that uh, that is. That's common. To Even though your head moves, it looks like it's back and to the left, which would indicate a uh, shot in the front temple. They say it's common. It's something called the jet effect. And uh, these guys say that uh, because Kennedy was wearing, you know, some um, orthopedic support, that caused his head to sort of bounce weirdly. I I see what you see, Tim, uh, but I'm not an expert. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Uh, Dario is in Baltimore. Hello, Dario.
10: Good morning, Frank. How are you doing, buddy?
1: Morning. I'll, I'll Thank be you.
10: brief. Many years ago, I read a book by Richard Meltzer. He's, a, I think, an actor on
1: a homicide. Yeah, he passed away and... recently, actually.
10: Oh, okay. No conspiracy
1: uh, theory there, though.
10: Okay. <laughs> Uh, Some of the conclusions he came to, you know, he asked the question was, who would have benefited most by the assassination or Kennedy's death? And he put together a lot of things, uh, reasons why, and they all make sense. But one interesting point I recall is that after Kennedy was assassinated, the French intelligence service, the KGB, and the Mossad conducted their own internal investigation as to who they thought was responsible for Kennedy's assassination, and it, the three of them came to the same conclusion.
1: Um, which was what? Right? I don't know that I. I think I read that book, but I don't Lyndon remember Mead. it.
10: Johnson Johnson had had Kennedy assassinated. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and that's Roger Stone's conclusion as well, and that's one of the reasons I played that um, that uh, Jack Ruby clip where he alludes to Lyndon. Seems to say that Lyndon Johnson was the reason for this. Thank you, Dario. 800-848-9222.
3: Steve's in Manhattan. Hi, Steve. All right, Frank. And uh, we had enough of Oswald and Ruby and Kennedy. How about Lincoln and Kennedy? This I'll do this quickly, then I'll get to the meat and potatoes. Kennedy and Lincoln obviously elected 100 years apart. Lincoln and Kennedy both had Vice Presidents Johnson. Johnson, uh, Kennedy's uh, VP was Lincoln. Lincoln's VP, I mean, his uh, secretary was Kennedy. Lincoln lived in a log cabin. Kennedy drove a, a Lincoln. Lincoln uh, lived in a, well, forget about it, man. Listen, it's cracking up this thing, man. I can't do it. But anyway, it's a, it's a cottage industry, we know, and we're seeing more and more of it. But when the, when the autopsy was performed, we know it was done by the Three Stooges, originally the, black, the back wound was probed, and it only went in so far, it didn't show any, any further damage going to the president's body. And plus, they thought the, the the throat wound was just opened up mm-hmm. for an airwave that was put in. So originally, the autopsy showed back wound, no further damage than a few inches into the president's back, didn't go through his body. Then they had to change it. Keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, uh, thank you, Steve. You know, I, I didn't, I, I, I haven't mentioned those Lincoln Kennedy coincidences because honestly, I think that's one of those things where you can look at any two people, especially any two presidents and find an incredible amount of similarities. If you, And then you say, oh, my goodness, that's it. That's the incredible amount of similarities between the two of them. It's like whenever they say celebrities always die in threes, whenever whenever one dies, they just say whoever the last two celebrities to die before that. Oh, that's it. The three three celebrities die. You know, um, who were the other two? Pre- now, there are so many differences between Lincoln and Kennedy as well. Um Lincoln was a Republican. Kennedy was a Democrat. Lincoln was a wartime president. Kennedy was, uh, was not. Uh, they were from different states. They were, you know, from different backgrounds. I mean, there's so many differences. Who were the other two presidents that were, that were assassinated? Who remembers? You remember. James Garfield and William McKinley. So you could do the same thing for Garfield and McKinley. Right. Both were presidents, both were assassinated both were Republicans each of them served in the House of Representatives before becoming president. They were both elected uh, a president after um, uh, you know they were both Civil War veterans both of them were from Ohio both of their last names have seven letters right so uh, I think you could point to any two people, especially any two presidents and find as many similarities as as you want. You know, both of them were shot by guys that went by three names. And uh both of the assassinations occurred in the northern United States. Both were shot in the abdomen. So, but nobody ever does that. It's just it's sexy to do with Lincoln and Kennedy. But my point is you could do it with um with anybody. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty 848 22 848 2-2 two, two. uh i'll make this the last call on this and then we'll move on to other things brandon in new jersey what's on your mind
6: hey frank uh
2: kenny was a wartime president though vietnam was going on unless you're well calling that uh, a campaign. yeah
9: uh, you know
1: and, and again you know the civil war was actually a war they, they you know they never declared war in vietnam but uh, i get what you're i get what you mean
2: yeah yeah no i get what you mean too um my only point was just that uh um, to Larry's point that the CIA couldn't have done it because of paying off um, uh, Oswald. I mean, if Oswald really was a halfway, I mean, he was prime target for MK Ultra, and mm-hmm. MK Ultra was going on during that time. So yeah, I, that, I wouldn't rule out. The is that CIA. what you think happened? I, I think that's part of it. I don't, I'm like you, I don't know, you know, everything nobody really
0: does, but, uh, but yeah, I do think that the CIA was involved.
1: Yeah. Well, it's very interesting, Brandon. Thank you. I, 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 and I forget who I spoke to recently about this. It was someone. Oh, I think it was John Kiriakou. Might have been. I don't remember. Uh, don't hold me to that. But I was talking to someone recently and uh, they said, and I found it pretty convincing, that they didn't think that this was a sanctioned CIA operation. They thought that there were certain elements within the CIA that might have been a party to this. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I, I certainly don't. I'm going to be very clear. 800 848 9222 22. Wait, we got to name a listener of the week. And uh, apparently, uh, some of my friends and family are tired of hearing me complain about them. And they have a few complaints about me. We'll get into that and more straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. <laughs>
1: See, back in black, uh, this is actually a birthday bumper music selection from Michael Horn. Michael Horn is a longtime radio professional. Uh, he's a friend of mine. His daughter is a very close friend of mine. He runs the network, or owns the network, CRN Digital Talk Radio, uh, which I've been on before. And in fact, you know, you know, the last time Jay Diamond hosted a radio show that I'm aware of was when the two of us co-hosted on uh, CRN Digital Talk Radio. But he's a very good talk show host on his own right and a great guy who gets the medium of radio. And it's no surprise to me that he picks such great music on his birthday. So happy birthday, Michael Horn. And uh, much like me, I knew this from both him and his daughter, he is a friend of William Shatner. So when I got to have dinner with William Shatner, I mentioned the name Michael Horn. And it's funny, I could tell by Shatner's reaction that they were actually friends. And like I broke through the code. He he kind of took down uh, the public face that he puts out there. He's oh I know Michael, and then he, we shared some stories about Michael Horn. Because I'm actually going to be with Michael. Um, uh, you know, he's coming over for, I think it was Monday Night Football or the Super Bowl. He's coming over for the Super Bowl. I'm still waiting for one of those Super Bowl invites. My uh, dear Frank Moreno. So far, it has not come to fruition. We'll see. All right, 800 848 9222, if you want to comment on anything we are talking about. Uh, but um, I, it is about that time for us to pick a listener of the week, another. Very challenging week. I thought it was going to be Rick when um, he came through with that incredible uh, peanut butter and cranberry sauce sandwich recipe. I thought it was going to be him. But I looked at all ten criteria, and as far as I'm concerned, the uh, far and away winner of uh, this week, well, not far and away, but by a nose, this week's listener of the week is... Neil in Baltimore. Uh, he calls himself Inaugural Neil because he was our first caller from WCBM. And what clinched did for me was that great song that he came up with about our show a couple of days ago. Honestly, I thought it was terrific. And if he sends us a recorded version, we could play it regularly. But... Um, I think he is uh, a great listener, a great caller. I certainly enjoy his calls, and uh, I am uh, honored to have him as a listener. Neil, if you email me, we we will have you pick tomorrow's bumper music for Thanksgiving. A big responsibility to pick that on Thanksgiving. All right. Now, I uh, had mentioned the story a couple of weeks ago about my sister-in-law, Deborah, going to the show Harmony that I got her tickets to. And she arrived at intermission. And I I guess some of the people in the Facebook group gave her a a little bit of a hard time. And she didn't appreciate that. And she said to my wife, well, you know what you should do? What what Frank should do is he's always complaining about all of us. He should have a segment where all of his friends and family and the people that he can complain that he complains about can complain about him. Now, first of all, I don't think I'm complaining. I um, think I'm describing what happened. And if people perceive that as a complaint, so be it. So anyway, my wife was so excited about this. Way too excited for for my taste. She immediately started writing things down. So I reached out to everybody that I routinely talk about on the radio. My in-laws, my neighbors, my uh, parents, my uh, friends, you know, a whole bunch of people very few of them actually sent commentary. Even my wife, who... Hey,
8: honey.
1: Even my wife didn't end up sending a uh, a commentary.
8: What you say makes no sense.
1: And you know what I made a point to do? I sent an email and a text message to everybody that I can remember saying anything negative about on the air, especially if it was by name, but even if it was by implication. And you know what I loved? A whole bunch of these people wrote back (laughs) and said... Well, I don't think Frank has ever complained about me. Meanwhile, I absolutely have. <laughs> so, I'm glad you either didn't recognize that I was talking about you or you happened to not hear that because that means I am just going to uh, really I am just going to continue. A couple of people didn't necessarily take it with good humor. They didn't want to um, they didn't want to participate. Now, I have not listened to any of these this is the first time I am going to be hearing any of these. Let's begin with um, my sister-in-law, Deborah, who was the person that was the impetus for this segment to begin with. I would like you to rescind your denunciation that you gave me a couple of years ago. You never
10: sent me the audio because you said that I didn't want to hear it. But I saw on the Facebook group that you had denounced me and people were um, having it out at me on there. Um, a couple of years ago, Rachel said I could have her couch. So I came with a U-Haul to pick it up. And I had difficulty returning the U-Haul. And it's not like it was fun for me either. But apparently
1: you denounced me. I stand by that denunciation. That was one of my better denunciations. I don't remember if I actually gave her a formal denunciation. I think I did. If I did, it was deserved. But I definitely recanted the whole story of the sheer number of people that were inconvenienced because of poor planning on the U-Haul front as we moved her into her apartment in, in Tom's River. So uh, I stand by that. If that was a denunciation, I stand by that. This is very interesting. I haven't heard this either. This is from our uh, former producer, Alex Barnard, who's now you know working at another company. Very interesting. I don't know what this is, but hopefully it's not anything that had to do with his departure from this radio network.
11: Hey, Frank, it's Alex Barnard. Uh, Hope you're doing well. I am calling to uh, give you a little feedback on, you know, just your music taste, really. Um, Even though I have plenty, I could say, regarding your, uh, you know, uh, use of me as radio fodder. The thing that I have the biggest issue with is your music taste. Now, when I requested the song for my birthday, for example, uh, I chose, I made sure to choose a couple of songs that maybe some people would know, like A Tribe Called Quest Buggin' Out or Champion by Kanye West, you know, things that I enjoy but other people might enjoy. And you, I heard you say on the radio that I had really only chosen obscure songs. Now, Frank, they're only obscure to you because you only listen to Perry Como. All right, you your music taste is still stuck in the 1950s. You need to bring yourself into the 21st century. Uh, other than that, you know, love the show. You're doing a great job. Miss working for you guys, and um, yeah, have a great Thanksgiving.
1: Well, that was nice. That was nice as far as complaints go. This is going to be a, a bad one, I know. This is from uh, my friend Danielle, who I've talked about before. I've talked about many times. Sometimes by name, I've talked about how she gave her kidney away to a coworker, And sometimes just uh, not by name because I say things that are very negative about her and I don't want to necessarily embarrass her more than necessary. And uh, my wife was very nervous about, about this one. She said, "You have to you have to screen this first because you don't know what she's going to say. You just she's you just never know." So this is unscreened. I have not heard this. This is from uh, Danielle Johnson Hoffman. Actually, she's married um, now. I married her, not as the groom, but as the officiant. And uh, this is uh, Danielle Johnson or Danielle Hoffman. And uh, can't wait to hear this one. This will be a doozy.
12: Hi, Frank. It is your best friend, Danielle, a.k.a. Mrs. Hoff. Um, When I saw this email, I thought to myself, wow, like what a sign of narcissistic personality disorder that Frank would think that his friends and family have nothing better to do than to air their many grievances with him on the air. I was easily able to think of like a dozen complaints, however... (laughs) When I tried to dial the recording line directly from the email, I realized that you do not give out the exact numeric phone line, so I had to type it in and figure out the corresponding letters to numbers, numbers to letters of morale. I felt like I was using a rotary house phone circa 1987. So although I have dozens and dozens of complaints that like to formally logs, like whether or not you text people at three o'clock in the morning, that you talk way too slowly, you mispronounce words on purpose for attention, you send out verbose emails, you turn your phone off on Saturday, you have an obsession with Netflix DVDs. There are so many things I could have actually complained about, but truly my biggest complaint today is that it is almost 2024. Frank, please add the hyperlink uh, for your phone number in your emails.
8: Thank you.
1: That that's not bad. bad. That's not bad. I, it's, uh, that's very valid. This is very valid. I don't think this is the real person, because I never was fortunate enough to know this person, but this is uh, f- listed as Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell,
10: speaking of sports. A wooden bat tournament I mean, held by Frank Murano in Rahway, New Jersey. But what's this? No wooden bats. Thankfully, Brian Silverstein, companion extraordinaire, goes to the railway State Prison and retrieved wooden bats so the softball game could
1: continue.
10: Back after this.
1: We might have been better off if that did not continue as we lost all four of the games that we played. Uh Here's, I think, uh, one more in a similar vein. Yeah, Frank,
8: it's uh Donald Trump, your favorite president. And I just have to say, uh, I think my general complaint would be with you, not, not a lot, actually, it's a very small one, But you write emails the size of uh, novels, and they're just too damn long. All right, that's all.
1: I mean, that's a fair complaint. I don't think that's a good Trump impression, though, I must say. I thought that was pretty weak. Uh, This is from our friend Laura Caruso, who recently celebrated a birthday.
9: Hey, Frank, it's your friend
1: Laura Caruso, and I don't really have a critique, but I do have a question. When I met you back in 2008, I remember that you... Would not tell anybody your age? Why? Why did you not want anybody to know your age? And do you still not want people to know your age? Inquiring minds want to know. I would love to answer that, but unfortunately, the clock is around to me.
0: The Other Side of Midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
5: Mr. Doublina, Mr. Bob Doubleina, Mr. Doublina, Mr. Bob Doubleina, Mr. Doublina, Mr. Bob Double, Mr. Mr. Doublina.
1: Ah uh, yes, Mr. D'Avolina, a song that uh, a lot of experts believe is the catchiest song of all time. It is uh, Thanksgiving Eve. They say it's going to be a rough Thanksgiving holiday for for travel, and uh, there's supposed to be some inclement weather that is uh, taking place really all over the Northeast. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be rough. We are. We're doing quite a bit of traveling. We're driving all the way out to uh, eastern Long Island on Thursday morning. And then we're going to uh, Pennsylvania to spend Friday with my uh, family in uh, in Pennsylvania. So hopefully the weather is not too bad. I am, uh, I'm going to be here tomorrow. And then uh, I had intended to uh, take off on Friday because I'm going to be out and about with some uh, family. But I was told uh, yesterday by management that they don't want me to take off. So I will be here. I will be here on uh, Friday as well. Well, I'll be on the air. I don't know if I'm going to be able to broadcast remotely, but by hook or by crook, I will be on the air somewhere. And then for, you know, a half a second, I thought about saying, oh, man, well, that's not really fair. But then I realized, you know, I've tried my whole life to do this for a living, to be on the radio and do an overnight show. Am I really going to complain when I get the opportunity to do it? I mean, it strikes me as a little bit ungrateful when we there's supposed to be a season of gratitude. So I'll be here tomorrow, and I'll be here Friday as well. Whatever you're doing, hopefully you're going to have fun. I did try the peanut butter and cranberry sauce sandwich that um, was recommended by Original Rick in Original Jersey. I must tell you, now, it was not quite what we had discussed it was not the gelatinous the fully gelatinous one that you slice it was from a can but it was from a can and it had whole berries in it so i i had peanut butter and cranberry sauce on one half of the sandwich the other half was peanut butter cranberry sauce with the whole cranberry and banana they were both quite good both yeah, quite yeah. good And uh, I am grateful for Rick bringing this to my attention. I don't know what I would pick if I had to choose between the one with banana and the one not. Both great. It's like a flavor explosion. So thank you again for that, Rick. That was clutch. All right. Until next hour, your influence counts. So use it.